Welcome to the show. It's Out of Bounds with Dylan James. I'm your host, Dylan James. And alongside me is JT. JT, how's it going, sir? Muy bien, Dylan. How's everybody doing tonight, people? I believe everybody else is doing muy bien as well. (laughs) Especially listening to us. I mean, come on. We brighten your Thursdays. I mean, today we're not really brightening anything because it's really, really cloudy, rainy, rainy. just awful outside. That's the Florida summer. Just enjoy the sun in the morning and expect rainy afternoons and evenings. What what, what are you going to do? Yeah, that's all you can do. Just expect it. Expect rain. In Florida, every day between, what, three and five, it's going to rain once at least. But it just seems like we had that six weeks of drought where we were like under fire watch and and they were saying, oh, we're not hitting our numbers when it comes to rain. Oh, we've hit them all right. We've been it's been raining every single day for the past like three weeks since we got back from Nashville. Yeah, this plant like by my house, like it's like three times bigger than it was when I left for Nashville. <laughs> it was like this small and like three weeks later it's like it's, it's huge. huge. It's huge. Huge. It's huge. <laughs> this plant is huge. Anyway, um so Thanks for listening to the show today, guys. Um, we're going to be talking about a lot of things. We have a special guest coming on for the NHL segment, which is going to be great. Um, we also have some NBA finals recap because the Warriors, they did it again. They won. We knew that was going to happen. So um, that happened. We're going to talk about the football recap of the week. We're going to do winners and losers and a little bit of final thoughts. So let's start off with some NFL news. First, we're going to talk about the offensive tackle Greg Robinson, former Rams second round overall pick, is heading to the Motor City, to Detroit. Uh, They traded to Detroit for a 2018 sixth round pick. So that's a fall from grace right right there. Like, that's awful. Yep. So what do you think about these both teams? Like, for Los Los Angeles... They're getting rid of this this bust, as you will, Greg Robinson. And the Lions are getting an offensive tackle, which I think they need. But do you think Greg Robinson fills that position for Matt Stafford and the Lions? Well, Matt Stafford needs an offensive tackle to keep him upright, of course, with all the sacks he got in the NFC North last season. So it's going to be interesting to see how Greg Robinson, maybe a change of scenery, maybe it wakes him up and maybe... He realizes, hey, I, I got to, you know, step my game up, do a lot better job. And, and the Rams, I mean, let's face it, the Rams were a, a dumpster fire last year. They were they were really bad. Jared Goff can get nothing, nothing going for the Rams in their bad season. And their, and their coach, Jeff Fisher, was gone after, what, two games? So, yeah, yeah. So it just didn't look good from the very beginning. So I think Greg Robinson, I mean, if he stays healthy, because that's a big thing for him, if he can stay healthy and – you know, keep the himself get fit through training camp and preseason. I think he could help the Lions out a lot. So one of the biggest new, uh, pieces of news that came out today: Miles Garrett actually got injured during Browns mini camp. He injured injured above injured <laughs> injured his ankle or his foot. They're not really sure which yet. Um, during mini camp today, and what do you think about this injury? This is the first. This is the number one overall pick for the Cleveland Browns. This is just, I'm telling you, that city has a curse on it. For football, you just cannot win in Cleveland. Oh, well, Cleveland Browns, I know I told you back in April, Cleveland Browns, you finally listened to me. And look what happened now. So if, if it didn't so, work out, so, you can blame me. So, you can yeah, blame exactly. me. So in it was all my of this, In all of this, we all realize, don't listen to JT. <laughs> That's the, that is what we've come to in this world. Just don't listen to JT when you give it, get advice for football. <laughs> but you, you can never be a GM in the league. They, no, they will listen to this podcast. This is and why say, my passion was to be radio or television, not not a GM. <laughs> don't hire me. Don't. <laughs> but he's on a sports podcast. It's fine. Um, but in all serious, no. Look, it's unfortunate what happened to Miles Garrett, and hopefully, it's just a, a minor injury that he can pull through. Once training camp begins, and hopefully he'll be able to play a couple of preseason games and, and be ready for the, the home opener. But, you know, like you were saying, Cleveland, they just can't catch a break right now. Of course, the, the Cavaliers lost the NBA Finals, and the Indians, they've been struggling up and down in the AL Central as of late. So, man, Cleveland, 
just can't catch a break. Like Buffalo, can't catch a break. Yeah, can't catch a break. I mean, you know, and Miles Garrett, he is the playmaker that the Browns need on defense. Really, I mean, he is. Because on offense, I mean, they're okay on offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're a better defensive team. But to have a leader like Miles Garrett in that defense, in that huddle, you know, that that changes things. I mean, Miles Garrett is that playmaker that can do that. But like I said, I mean, I don't know if there's like some guy just trying to jinx the Cleveland Browns, like throwing, you know, marbles on, on the field, making Miles Garrett trip over his own feet and sprain his ankle or foot or whatever. But, you know, it's it's hard to watch when the Browns get somebody that good and then it just becomes a dumpster fire very, very quickly. And even more of a dumpster fire, Brock Osweiler is wanting to be the starting quarterback in Cleveland this coming up season, which, I mean, at that point, you're paying him so much money, you're not going to get rid of him this season, I don't I don't think. No. So, I mean, is it a bad thing for them to be looking at him as the starting quarterback? I mean, if you're Cleveland Browns, who else are you going to go with? You... You don't have anybody else. Well, I mean, they do have some younger guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have Deshaun Kaiser, and they also have uh, some other guy, too. Uh, I'll think of his name. You can continue. But Brock Osweiler, he's he's going to have to lead a team. I, I certainly hope this time it will work out for him better than how it went for him in Houston because it just didn't work for him in Houston at now, all. Now, that's a dumpster fire. <laughs> that is a dumpster Because their their defense was so good. Yep. Their offense just could not do anything because they had no quarterback. And Brock Osweiler was going to be the savior for the Houston Texans. They were going to go to the Super Bowl with this guy, mm-hmm. where they thought they were going to, and then all of a sudden, Brock Osweiler became Brock Osweiler, and they just could not do anything with him at all at the position. So that's why they didn't go anywhere after they got to the playoffs. But I believe, if I am looking at this correctly, the other quarterback in Cleveland is Cody Kessler. So it looks like it has Cody Kessler, Kevin Hogan, Brock Osweiler and Deshaun, and Deshaun Kaiser. Kaiser. So Kessler is another definitely. guy. I think Kaiser and Kessler were the guys that were going to be fighting for the starting position. Mm-hmm. But Brock Osweiler is like, hey, guys, I don't want to just be sitting here on the bench getting paid millions of dollars to do nothing. I want to be a quarterback in the league. So, you know, you have to have some production on the field to show other teams, hey, look, I could be a starting quarterback for you. But, you know, I'm. it might be hard for Brock Osweiler to get on the field Seeing that, you know, Deshaun Kaiser, I think he's going to be a very, very good quarterback in the league. He's a very mobile quarterback, and I think he has the size and speed kind of like a Russell Wilson. So I think that he could do good things in Cleveland if he ever sees the field. But I think they were talking about sitting him for the first year at least or trying to so that he doesn't get injured or whatnot. So we'll see what happens in Cleveland. That should be a very interesting situation. Uh, Moving on to the Minnesota Vikings, speaking of, you know, uh, Dumpster fires. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is back on the practice field, and wide receiver Laquan Treadwell said that he looks like he was never hurt. So if that's the case, and Teddy Bridgewater comes back, how good are the chances that the Minnesota Vikings will make it to the playoffs this year? If he can stay healthy, I think he'll he'll be great for the Vikings because you know he's very mobile. He, he throws the ball, and he's very quick on his feet, and. The NFC North, you know the only team you're really going to have to compete against is the Green Bay Packers. Because the Lions, who knows right now, and Chicago Bears, really. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry Bears fans. But I think if, if Teddy Bridgewater is healthy and can make it through preseason okay and get through the first couple weeks of the season... He's going to be an upgrade to keep the Vikings in it. And who knows? Someone's got to get the Packers to run for their money. Sam Bradford, I know he's still there. So it's kind of his job to lose at the moment. But to me, it's a no-brainer. If if Teddy Bridgewater is doing better than Bradford in the preseason, you've got to go over Bridgewater. Yeah, but Bradford is the golden boy. Bradford is the one they brought in, the savior they brought in last year, which actually Bradford played pretty well in Minnesota, actually. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to see um, how that quarterback competition is going to go. If if Teddy Bridgewater is fully healthy, 100%, I would pick Teddy Bridgewater any day of the week. But we have to be careful with him in the minicamp. We have to be careful with him in OTAs because, I mean, you know, if he gets injured again, then, I mean, that might be his career. But it's crazy to think that just a few weeks ago, just a few months ago, we were talking about Teddy Bridgewater 
possibly not returning to the NFL at all, not being a quarterback in the league because they were afraid he was injured that badly. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, if this praise is has some worth to it of him being um, looking like he's never been hurt, then you know he might be coming back pretty quick. And speaking of Chicago, Bob Stoops, we talked about this story last week with Oklahoma, Bob Stoops just got a house in Chicago worth $2.25 million, I think it was, um, him and his wife did. a. They said it's just a vacation home just to kind of get away, but I would keep my eye on the head coaching job there in Chicago. If they're as bad as they were last year, this year, then Bob Stoops might just swoop up that head coaching job for Chicago. So keep an eye on that. Next, we're going to go to the AFC South, starting off with the Indianapolis Colts. Now, this might be bad for the Colts. Andrew Luck, unsure if he'll be ready for training camp um, coming up, and he's still recovering from that shoulder surgery that he had. So, we saw last year, when Andrew Luck is not in the game, the Colts are a completely different team. Because Andrew Luck shoulders that team. They built that team around, uh, They built that team with Andrew Luck in mind. However, they didn't really build it well enough to play well if Andrew Luck is not in there. So when it comes to that, what do you think the chances are of the Colts making the playoffs if Andrew Luck isn't under center? Well, it's certainly going to go down. <laughs> That's for sure. But I I just think Andrew Luck is just being cautious, especially with a, a shoulder surgery. You know, I can't blame him. You kind of have to make sure that you can be able to throw the ball. It's very important, especially in the AFC South where you know you're going to get beat up, especially when you got to deal with the Texans' defense. And now the Titans, with the moves we made, the, the Titans' defense will probably win out of the two. So I think he's just being cautious. I think he'll still maybe play a game or two during the preseason, but I still expect Andrew Luck to be ready by opening day because the Colts need him to make a playoff push for the playoffs because the Colts, they didn't make the playoffs last year. They got to make it this year. Yeah, they have to. And, you know, with the Titans, Andrew Luck is our kryptonite. He has been recently. But yes. with our wide receiver crew that we have, also a possible new wide receiver we're getting, which we'll talk about that in just a second, um, you know, the Titans need to do well this season. I think they can against the Colts, even if Andrew Luck is in the game. But Andrew Luck, he just knows how to win. But he needs to shave that neard. I'm telling <laughs> you what. If you don't know what a neard is, it's a neck beard. It's just not a good look for him. Not a good look. That's all I got to say. Um, moving on to Eric Decker visiting the Titans yesterday. We actually talked about this a little bit last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the possibility of Eric Decker possibly coming to the Titans. And it looks like that might be an actual possibility. He had his physical today, I believe. I saw that somewhere in ESPN that they said that he's doing a physical. So it's a possibility. It's almost a possibility. Confirmed. We just don't know yet. It's a possibility. So you look at Tajay Sharp. You look at Eric Decker. You look at Delaney Walker. You look at Richard Matthews. I mean, we have some really good wide receivers and a tight end, too. But we have a good receiving core in Tennessee. Do you think that Eric Decker brings a lot to the table in that receiving core? I certainly think so. The, the question is, can he stay healthy? Because I know he had some of those issues with the, with the Jets. But it, to me, it's more options for Marcus Mariota. And that's where he was struggling with last year. He he had a couple of oh, Kenny Britt. But... Or Kendall Wright, excuse me, not Kenny Brady. <laughs> gone a while ago. <laughs> He's gone a while. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, I think if we got more weapons for him, we got a running game with Derrick Henry. And if Mariota, if he stays healthy, because when I mean, the Titans, we were so close to making the playoffs last year. If we just didn't lose the freaking Jack Wires, we would have been in the playoffs. We would have been there. So I think it's all positive for the Titans. And. A lot of people are saying Titans, we could win the AFC South, or we'll definitely be a wild card team. So everyone's, everyone that I've looked at is believing that the Titans will be up in the playoffs this season. Oh, I think they will be too. I mean, definitely. it's it's They're a dark horse, I think, this season. And I think they can do some really good things in Nashville and you know continue the playoff streak that the Predators just set up for the Titans um, so they can continue that. And maybe, you know, we might see some Nashville Predators showing up to Titans games and, you know, doing the whole... <laughs> Beer and catfish thing. Are we going to throw catfish on the, uh, the Nissan field now? <laughs> yeah, we should. Nissan Stadium should be getting a catfish pretty soon. Um, so speaking of Kendall Wright, he is blaming the lack of production he had in 2016 on the Titans coaching staff. So it looked like he averaged about, I think they said about 20 snaps each game. Uh, Kendall, Young, Kendall Wright did. So 
in that situation, um, do you think that he's just venting? He just wants to blow off some steam, and he's just calling out his team, former team because of that? Or do you think there's some credibility to where they were just kind of holding him out um, on purpose? I think he's just blowing off some steam. This is the normal stuff you hear during the offseason. He's just fired up, and uh, we'll have to see if that energy's going to happen um, once the season kicks off. Yeah, I mean, I think he'd be a good asset for a team. I mean, he's where did he go again? He went somewhere. I don't know where he went. I, I don't. I didn't follow him very much. I'd find out where he went. Let me find out. Yeah, find out where he went. Um, but I, I think he can actually be a good key for any team, and he could be a number one wide receiver if he wanted to be. Um, he's a very good slot receiver, and you know he doesn't do very well with streak routes and everything. But I mean, I think with a slot. I think he could be the next like Danny Amendola, next Wes Welker, um, along those lines. So I think he could be a really good player. He went to the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears, that's right. The team we were just talking about. And he's taking over Alshon Jeffrey's <laughs> yes. position there um, as the number one wide receiver, it looks like. So he has an opportunity to become a number one wide receiver again. I wish him all the best in Chicago. However, if we do face him, we're going to beat the Chicago Bears. Just just saying. They're not going to beat us if he's on that team. Um, so moving on to another AFC South team. Blake Bortles is sick and tired of being below average in Jacksonville with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do you think this draft helped them at all to become at least average, if not above average? Well, you got Leonard Fournette now, so he kind of has no excuses now. I mean, he's been in Jacksonville for, what, two or three, as two or three seasons, I I think it's been two so far. So he, he has to step up his game because he knows the city of Jacksonville is on him. The management's on him because there was all this talk that he was he might get traded or get sent somewhere else. And he's still with the team. And they kept Doug Marone, which I felt was a smart decision because he's the coach that got the more out of him the last two games. So I think Blake Worlds, he needs to focus on doing his playbook, doing his practices with his teammates, and focus on – making Jacksonville a competitive team again because they certainly have not been competitive the last few seasons, especially when you see all that black tarp up there at Everbank Stadium. Yeah, and I mean, you know, they did have Yeldon last year. They've had Yeldon for, what, two, three years, I think it is, mm-hmm. running back out of Alabama. So they, they've had a running game. It's just I don't think they utilized Yeldon as much as they should have. I think they kind of relied on Blake Bortles' arm way too much. And so having someone like Leonard Fournette coming into the backfield, I think it'll kind of help relieve the pressure of um, trying to do everything as Blake Bortles so he can actually get to his game, um, you know, you know, find his receivers when he needs to, make his reads correctly, and go from there. And that defense in Jacksonville is nothing to scoff at. They actually have a very, very good defense too. So we need to make sure that we – are attentive when it comes to playing Jacksonville next year and hopefully at least win one of those matchups. But uh, it's, it's going to be, they're going to be a tough game. They're going to be a tough team to play. I think the AFC South has turned its head. It used to be the worst division in the league. Now I, I think it's probably one of the better divisions in the league. Actually, it's more competitive this way. So all four teams are actually very competitive except for Houston. They still don't have a quarterback, but you know uh, I think that it's going to be a very interesting season for the AFC South. So moving on to the top-selling jerseys in the NFL. You know who the top-selling jersey was in the NFL in May? Was it Tom Brady? It was not. It was not. It was Marshawn Lynch with Oakland Raiders. Oh, wow. Top-selling jersey in May. He just out of retirement? He did. He has a top-selling jersey? He did. There must be those Skittles, man. He's going <laughs> campaign them things so hard. Uh, hey, I, I bet you they're not going to make silver and black Skittles or something like hey, that. Hey, they might. <laughs> they might. That's a good that's a good marketing promotion right there. You need to call Oakland and give them that idea. Yeah, yeah. They need it. Uh, I'll call them up on Twitter. Okay. Yeah, call <laughs> call Marshawn, let him know. Um, another piece of news, Eddie Lacy will receive $55,000 if he's not fat um, on Monday, which means he's under 25 250 pounds at the next weigh-in on Monday. Hey, so That's a lot of money though. <laughs> it is a lot of money. Hey, I I would be cutting down the Twinkies and the Ho-Hos if I was going to be getting $55,000 to be below 250 pounds. Like, come on now. I can get that right now. Weigh, weigh me in, coach. Weigh me in. Come on. That's uh, he got a bonus check earlier. We talked about it. Um actually I think one of the first shows we had we talked about it where he got a bonus check for that which i mean come on we have to incentivize him with money 
to make him lose weight. Like, come on, Seahawks. Just, it's crazy. And last but not least, Kirk Cousins hit the golf course with President Trump this week. And also said if there were any former presidents who would like to play him, Democrat or Republican, he is his phone is wide open to call him, give him a call. So I think it's really cool. It's really cool to see him play some uh, golf with president presidents and everything like that. So do you think there will be more players out there wanting to play golf with presidents and stuff? I certainly hope so. I mean, we saw with Barack Obama, he's playing basketball players. And Donald Trump, he... I believe he. I heard on the radio yesterday. He had Clemson. They they were there for the, the honorary for the White House. That's right. That's so right. So they were there this week. The Penguins. They said they would go whenever they get invited. Oh, yes. The Don't Penguins. talk about that right now. <laughs> and, and, Don't uh, bring them up. <laughs> and uh. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Golden State Warriors now because you know some of the players have not friends with Trump apparently, but so there's been talk that some of them may not go, but. Look, if you get invited by the president, I don't care if you like him or not. It's like an honorary thing. You you should go. So now on to the Stanley Cup final. And we have a very special guest on the phone with us today, JT. Um, a very good friend on Twitter. He is actually one of the reporters for the Predators. He works with PenaltyBoxRadio.com. He is the lead writer and also the radio host or the the host of that um, website. And also, he has a book called National Predators, The Making of Smashville. You can get it for $13.99 on PenaltyBoxRadio.com. It includes shipping, tax, and Justin, I believe you said an autograph as well. Yeah, that's right. I'm trying to trying to make the really good hard sell here. There you go. Yeah, I'm trying to, trying to. So I'm going to get you some more, uh, <laughs> no, more numbers on those sales. So um, anyway, thanks for joining us, Justin. We really appreciate your time here today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the Santa Cup final. And, you know, the Predators had an incredible run this year. Um, how was it being there for the games? Because you were get there for all the games at home. How was it being there in that atmosphere in Smashville? Uh, it was absolutely electric. Uh, there's, it's really hard to put into words what it was because I got to experience uh, away games for Game 2 in Chicago and also Game 1 in Pittsburgh as well. So I made, made a couple trips as well and in away games. And while those two arenas were very loud and, and pretty fun to be at for playoffs at granite now chicago got really quiet when the predators shut them out five nothing at not home but 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 the national predators put on quite the show where it was even a general manager david Pohl spoke yesterday in his press conference how it is second to none in terms of the game presentation and the type of atmosphere that is created at bridgestone arena and outside bridgestone arena and basically just thank the entire crew and the organization the leadership there because it is it's something that i think not just Tennessee saw or the Southeast saw or America saw or North America saw, but the entire world got to see what Nashville's able to do when they're put on the national stage like that. And I know a lot of it was kind of hinted at in the All-Star game last season, but here when you're actually playing for something, the entire hockey world's watching a team play for a championship, it really put what Nashville's able to pull off in terms of game presentation and entertainment right at the center of the map there too. So the On Ice product, uh, was there and wish could end, you know two more wins, but overall it showed how much fun Nashville is uh, with hockey and how much of a hockey market it's really turned into. Yeah, and then David Poyle also said during his press conference that they generated about $50 million for the city just from those playoff games that they were in, which is absolutely incredible. We actually came up to Nashville from Orlando to see the game for Game 3 um, against the Penguins, and like you said, it was absolutely electric. We didn't get tickets inside because, of course, they were $800 a piece. That was the cheapest <laughs> one we could find. Um, but, you know, outside in the plaza, absolutely electric. The chants were going. Um, you could tell there was a strong love for the team in that city. And it's incredible to think that, I mean, it's been less than 20 years since this team got created in Nashville. And it has such a lo- everyone has such a love for the sport now, and it's becoming a hockey town. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think just 10 years ago, they almost moved away and and then so much has changed just in that short 10-year span which really is short when you think about it because that's a little over half the time span the team's been around and so for 10 years ago for them almost moved to Hamilton Ontario Canada then come in you bring in new leadership with Jeff Kogan and Sean Henry to help lead the front office you you change to gold so a rebrand goes on there and then they start working really hard on the marketing campaigns, filling the arena with more events other than just hockey to make sure that there's more uh, revenue getting generated that will go to the arena and to the Predators from bringing in those different concerts. All that building up to more ticket sales and to really making the push of in-arena entertainment 
all of that continues just to build on what's what's happened over the past few years here in Nashville. I mean, selling out every single home game throughout the regular season had a lot to do with that as well. And it'll continue to build. So all of that has been has been an exponential growth factor here in in Nashville for it. But it's been one of those things that it definitely didn't happen overnight. It took a lot of hard work from a lot of different people to make sure that it was successful. So going to the playoffs, I know we had that one goal at the very beginning of the Pittsburgh Penguins series where Philip Forsberg, it was a questionable call about him being offsides. They said he was offsides. They didn't challenge. They they looked at it, said it was no goal. Um, but let's go to the last game of the series and game six. Um, you know, there was that goal where Colton Sissons pushed in after the referee whistled the, the play dead. Um, was there a chance for that play to be reviewed by the officials? Based on the rule, and I know this is what stinks, based on the rule, no. And the reason why is because Colton Sissons touched the puck. So based on the way the rule is, it was not reviewable. But that's where the everything in my head goes to the official. And the official was out of position. And that was the problem, that he blew the whistle too soon because he was out of position. Instead of trying to put himself in a better position to see where the puck was, he did not put himself in the right place to make the right call. And, and I've said this to multiple colleagues and the people that I've asked as well, is that the big thing is usually when a whistle's blown like that, when a referee blows the whistle and blows the play dead very, very quickly, it's because there's a big scrum, there's a pile up on top of the goalie, there's players just everywhere, there's bodies flying. That's usually when you have a, a quick whistle, like, okay, let's stop this, we need to get it done. But there wasn't that. There wasn't that huge scrum of players piling on top of each other. There was just a play where Murray made an initial save, the puck trickled, and boom, was laying right there for Colton Sissons to, to smack in. So there wasn't a reason for him to blow the whistle early. It was his fault that he stopped the play. And so based on the rule, though, that was not a reviewable play because the continuation of the puck didn't go on without it being touched. So I know a lot of people have seen the replay of what happened with Calgary at the, near the very beginning of the season what happened in Calgary is the referees actually got it wrong when they reviewed it and awarded the goal after the whistle had blown the play dead and they continued to put the puck in. So they actually got it wrong there, which makes it even more frustrating to fans because they say, well, they did it there. Why couldn't they do it here? So no matter what, it's very frustrating. Um, it's one of those calls that could have maybe swung a little bit and changed the way that the, the game was, was played. But I know people point out, too, the Predators had their opportunities on the power play to get goals and weren't able to do that. But it's still one of those very frustrating things to look at that officials – in the championship series for a major sport still were blowing calls, calls that should not have been blown. And I think that's what's really frustrating for so many Predators fans and even David Boyle because he spoke about that yesterday in his and Peter Laviolette's press conference. How It was frustrating that the general managers need to make something, need to make some changes and need to address that as well. Yeah, and it was it was so nerve-wracking to watch. I was actually at a restaurant here in Orlando and there were some Pins fans right behind me. And, you know, at the very end of the game, they're hooting and hollering, things like that. And, you know, I told, I told Penn's fans this at work, too. Look, we were the 16th seed coming into the playoffs this year. And we should we should not have been in the final. Like you should have been, we should have been written off at the very beginning of the playoffs. But we made it there. We got there to that position. I'm just very happy that the next, the city of Nashville had the chance to see a Stanley Cup final in Bridgestone finally. And I think that we'll be having more success in the next few years because of our young talent. Um, moving on from that though, during this playoff run, what do you think the biggest team weaknesses were in this team? Uh, it, it's. It's, it's, it's kind of tough. Some of the weaknesses were uh, mental, I think. What we really saw was Pecorine getting almost into his own head in Pittsburgh, where he just could not put it together in Pittsburgh. But it wasn't just him. It was the defense's fault in a lot of ways, too. And when we look at the heat map for a lot of the shots and where the goals are coming from in Pittsburgh, those goals are coming from right in the crease, right in the slot, right in the really most dangerous areas for the puck to get shot on the goalie. So that's the fault of the defense instead of not clearing the player out. So that's not helping Pecorine do his job when you're allowing point-blank shots to be taken on him like that. I think a lot of it was mental. Some of the weaknesses, if anything, we saw were just injuries. I mean, Ryan Johansson, his injury, granted, Colton Sissons did a wonderful job filling in the number one center, but the weakness was on the power play. We saw the power play just basically drop dead in the Stanley Cup Final, and that's the creativity of a player like Ryan Johansson that was really missing in the Stanley Cup Final, was that creativity on the power play with passing or finding that right kind of passing lane to open a guy up to get a really clean shot on it. 
I think overall some of the weaknesses really weren't there that you would expect to see because guys stepped up and really elevated their game, especially with injuries. You had guys like Pontus Oberg coming in, and he's able to uh, pot a great goal. Uh, Freddie Goudreau gets his first three goals of his career in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, so, I mean, incredible. Guys were really able to step up, and I think that was the biggest thing there. So instead of a weakness being a, a, something that was missing, it was more of, what they could have used had there not been major injuries to the club or they had not been their own head. And looking at major injuries during this entire series, once again, we're speaking with Justin Bradford from Penalty Box Radio. Uh, the biggest one that stuck out to me was James Neal's broken hand that he suffered in, yeah. in, in, in like later on into the playoffs. So, I mean, th- that's incredible that he played with a broken hand the entire time. He got shot up, as David Poyle put it, um, every single game to play. Did not shoot a single puck into the net during um, warm-ups. So, some other injuries we had. What were some other injuries that they described yesterday during their press conference? Well, yeah, I mean, you said James Neal. He actually he broke his hand in game one versus Anaheim and then went on to score the game-winning goal in overtime. <laughs> So that just shows Incredible. so much right there. And then Colin Wilson was dealing with a hamstring issue throughout pretty much the entire playoffs. That's why he missed some time. Craig Smith was dealing with a high ankle sprain. That's why he missed some time as well. Uh, Mike Fisher suffered a concussion. Uh, so there, there are injuries on, on both sides. I mean, uh, well, every hockey team in the playoffs, you're always uh, getting with injuries. And they still have not released anything on Ryan Ellis. David Poyle commented yesterday that they're expecting that to come out next week. So that points that Ellis had something pretty serious going on where they're still having to evaluate him to wait and see what's going to go on. I'm almost expecting he might need surgery. Don't quote me on that. It's more one of those things if you're taking that long to evaluate, they may be trying to opt and see what the different options are. But whatever it is, Ellis has been battling something pretty serious. And, I mean, how many times in the playoffs do we see Ellis go down, go down the tunnel, come back, mm-hmm. and play the next shift? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, Iron Man, Iron Man right there. But, yeah. yeah, those are some of the injuries that were taken by the Predators during the playoffs. And, so I mean, that broken hand by Neil, especially come and score the game-winning goal after breaking your hand, pretty awesome. So now this season is behind us. Now we're looking forward to the expansion draft happening soon. Um, what players do you think we need to protect during this expansion draft? And which player do you think will be chosen by Las Vegas Golden Knights um, to join their squad next year? Uh, in, in all of my mocks that I've been doing, I've been going the eight skater route, one goalie route. I've, as pretty much everyone knows now, Pecorini has to be protected because of his no movement clause. Then going on the defensive side, you have Ryan Ellis, uh, Roman Yossi, P.K. Subban, Matthias Ekholm. There's four right there. And then the forward side, Ryan Johansson, Victor Arvidsson, Philip Forsberg. It's been a big question mark on that very last spot where everybody keeps debating and arguing right now whether it should be James Neal, Kelly Yarncroke, or even some other player. I think those are the two, though, that Yarncroke and Neal, that people are arguing over who should be protected. My route would be you protect James Neal, and then you make trades and side deals to protect Kelly Yarncroke and try to force the move to where Vegas either takes um, Colin Wilson, Craig Smith, Matt Irwin, Austin Watson, something like that. But David Poyle did say that he's already spoken with George McPhee once, who's the general manager of the Vegas Knights, and he plans to speak with him again tomorrow. So there's definitely going to be some side deals made, pretty much steering Vegas into the direction that Poyle wants him to choose. I think that's happening with every general manager. They have some players that they're they're going, okay, you know, it'll hurt to miss this guy, but it'll be okay. Uh, So my pick, if I were George McPhee, and this is me trying to get in the mindset of what's going to help build a team in the right way in Vegas. It's not a popular pick, but I would would say pick Matt Irwin. And the reason why is because he's a solid defenseman. He played third-pairing minutes in Nashville. But the reason why is that he's been up and down through the minors, in the NHL throughout his entire career. He spent all last year in the minors. He's also a, a good leader in the locker room. He's great with the media. He's involved in the community. And all those things are really important when you're building a franchise from the ground up in a non-traditional market. Being good in the community, being really good at talking, and being a leader is important as well. So all those factors put together with all that he's been through on the ice and off the ice too, be getting sent up, going down, dealing with young players. He's 29, so he could be a great mentor to a lot of those guys that are 21, 22, 23, and helping them get through the building of a franchise. That's the success that that you want to see out of a franchise like that, is building and establishing your identity as a team. That's who I would pick. That's probably not who most experts are saying, but that's who I would pick. So let's move on to Mike Fisher. Um, He is kind of deliberating whether to retire or to remain in the league. And, you know, he is going to be an unrestricted free agent if he decides to come back into the league. So what are the chances that Mike Fisher returns to Nashville next year? 
you know, I think I think the chances are still pretty good. I mean, obviously came really close again to, to winning the cup, and that's, that's got to take a, a beating on him a little bit. He just turned 37 years old. But what we saw in the way he was playing is he still has it left in him, and and that's the biggest thing there is that he still has it left in him, just like Matt Cullen still had plenty of gusto in him with Pittsburgh with how honorary he was during the Stanley Cup final. Mike Fisher, a few years younger than him, still has a lot left in him as well. He chipped in pretty well offensively, especially with the role he was given. He could be a solid third-line center for the National Predators, and the big thing is a lot of these guys really look up to him and his leadership, and it's not just on the ice. It's off the ice because Mike Fisher is so involved in the community. I think he still has another year left, at least go ahead and give it one more run. I know Carey's probably wanting to you know, expand their family just a little bit more, but it's one of those opportunities for him, especially this club still has a, an open window to win a championship, and he can be a part of that. And, and David Poyle said last year that Mike Fisher can play as long as he wants in Nashville, and that's where I'd expect Fisher to be able to take a hometown discount sign year-to-year contracts until he's actually ready to retire but you know good in him for taking time to sit back and think about it and like you said to pray about it as well and think about what he wants to do with his life instead of making drastic decisions obviously it's a big family decision for him as well but i cannot see him going anywhere else if he's going to keep playing it's going to be in nashville so we've heard some whispers about this but it finally came true today phil housley is actually going to the buffalo sabers to be the head coach there how big of an impact does that make on the team going forward I think it makes a, a big impact in, in the fact that he really did have a positive effect on the top four in, in on the blue line. And you could see that evident, especially in the playoffs, with how they're able to cycle so well, that top four of Ellis, Yossi, Subban, Ekholm, and being able to not only put up points, but shut down the opposing forwards as well. And that's huge. That's what Phil Housley did in his career. He put up points and was able to be a, a Hall of Fame defenseman. And so I think that's right there is going to be what's missed. Elsie is one of those player coaches. He's always had a smile on his face. So it's the off-ice product as well as going to miss. You're going to miss the person. And the person is really important. He fit in well with Peter Lavulette's system and how he wanted to coach the defense. The power play struggled here and there, and that's one of the things that he was over. But that's, that's second to, to the important part of Phil Housley, the person, now having to be replaced in Nashville. But it's a very, very good opportunity for him, of all places, go back to Buffalo where it all started for your career. So it's a really good opportunity for him to go there to be a head coach. We, we, knew, it, we, we knew it was going to be coming because it was in him and in his blood to be a head coach. Uh, I was just waiting for that right opportunity. And when Buffalo opened up, I think that was the perfect opportunity and everyone could see the writing on the wall. So do you, are, are there any whispers there in Nashville about coaches that could fill Phil's shoes? I, I, never mind. Uh, Phil uh, Housley's shoes <laughs> to be in Nashville as the assistant coach. Yeah, I, I think if anything, the most of the whispers right now, especially because it's so uh, immediate, is just wondering, will Dean Evison, who's the head coach of the Milwaukee Admirals, Nashville's farm team, take over or will they want to replace the assistant coach position with someone else uh, and the reason why that's a big question is dean's been very very good in milwaukee with helping to develop those players has a great relationship with the players in milwaukee he is definitely one of those player coaches gets along jokes with them on the ice is able to really help those guys because they're young and old in a farm team like in the ahl you have to deal with guys that are 21 22 23 as well as some guys that might be in their upper 20s or low 30s or the ends of their career and they're just a career in ahler so he's been very good in that role. So I think that's where the big question mark is, is what do they want to do organizationally? Do they want to move Dean up? Do they want to re- bring in another uh, assistant coach? And, and I think that's what the big question mark is right, right now for it. And so I think there's going to be a lot, of go- a lot of stuff going on. Even at the draft, I would assume David Poole might be talking to people to see what's going on. So last but not least, what do you think the chances are of the Nashville Predators going back to the Stanley Cup final in, let's, say, uh, let's not say next year, let's say the next three years in the next three years i'd fully expect them to be back there at least once Uh, and and the reason and the reason i say that is obviously everyone knows it is extremely tough to get back to the stanley cup final uh pittsburgh you know it it, it's especially in the salary cap era it takes a lot just to get back there but then to repeat pretty big on them with the talent that they have as well but nashville has has an open window especially you think even though pecorino is getting older yusa saros is right there in the wings and he is a good goaltender ready to step up Plus, you have all the contracts are looking very, very good for the National Predators. Philip Forsberg is on a long-term contract. Ryan Ellis, Roman Yossi, P.K. Subban, Matthias Ekholm, they're all here for a good long while. So the core is going to be intact. They're already working on extending, uh, or sorry, re-signing Ryan Johansson and Victor Arvidsson. So I think they're going to be set in terms of the, the 
overall status of the team, and that leaves the window open. So maybe not next year. It could be really difficult, especially when you're playing that many games. But within the next three years, I'd fully expect them to be back in the final at least once just because of the pure talent on this team. Justin Bradford from Penalty Box Radio. You can check them out on Facebook. You can check them out on Twitter. Also, their website, penaltyboxradio.com. And also check out Nashville Predators, the Making Smasher, like we talked about before. $13.99, folks. That is a steal for this book. For And Justin's autograph is on it, too. So definitely check it out on their website as well. Um, and Justin, you can follow him on, on Twitter, Justin B. Bradford. Thanks again, Justin, for your time tonight. And I really appreciate the call. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. really do appreciate it. Justin Bradford, what a guy. Uh, once again, he's he's fantastic. So definitely check out all of his work. He has some great work online on Penley Box Radio. And, and he has a great Twitter, too. So I'd follow that as well. He always breaks a lot of news there in Nashville for the Predators. So now on to the NBA, NBA Finals. The Golden State Warriors, champions once again, beating the Cleveland Cavaliers 4-1 to in the series. And they didn't blow it this time. They didn't choke. Ooh, that for... Game five in Oakland, the, the Warriors had to win that game because if they didn't win that game and they had to go back, had to win that game because if they didn't win that game and they had to go back to Cleveland for game six, they were in trouble. Now, we we all saw game four, and game four, I was really surprised that Golden State just couldn't get the job done. Now, Kevin Durant did good. He got, I believe he got 38 points, I believe, in that losing effort. For the Golden State Warriors, James, LeBron James, he uh, he took over that game, and Cleveland just didn't, couldn't miss the beat. That was their best game, and they kept them alive. And they kept them alive, but Game Five, Golden State just found their rhythm, kept it going, and Kevin Durant stole the show. He got 39 points in that game to win MVP for the Golden State Warriors, and. This is a good for Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant, he got a lot of heat when he left the Oklahoma City Thunder last season to go win a championship with the Warriors. And we kind of talked about this in the previous episodes, but it's been a trend now where team players, your star players, don't tend to be loyal to your, that team anymore. It's that you play for a few years and then you think of the next big thing. Do I grow my brand or do I try to win a championship? Yeah, and yeah. Kevin Durant, he decided to go win a championship. So and he good did. for him. And he did. Yeah, exactly. He wanted to get that run. He did. So good for him. Uh, you know, him going to the Warriors was a great deal for him. And also it looks like he's willing to take less money to stay with the Warriors too in the offseason. Um, they have to negotiate a new deal and everything. So, uh, you know, he's doing the right things to stay on the team for as long as he can to bring in other key pieces they might need or to keep pieces they already have. And so, you know, if, if Kevin Durant keeps up with this and, and keeps playing, uh, which... You know, in Oklahoma City, he did the same exact thing. He wanted to bring good pieces onto the team, so he was willing to take a hometown pay cut when it came to those things. And so in Golden State, he's going to have to do the same thing to keep the same team he wants to win more championships. I think they will. So, Dylan, the latest rumor in the NBA circles right now is that the Boston Celtics are interested in pursuing Blake Griffin. Now, the Clippers, there's been a lot of talk about how... They're going to move on because they could lose Blake Griffin and they could also lose Chris Paul. So there's a lot of change in that organization going on right now. Chris Paul, of course, as you mentioned, he's talking to the Spurs, but he's also looking at the Nuggets. And what was the third team you said it was? The Nuggets. Uh, the Rockets. The Rockets. Rockets and okay. Nuggets. Yeah. I'm sure my boy Dylan Taylor's very happy about that. Um, so we'll see. Uh, Blake Griffin, though, I think that has been. A rumor for a long time that they've been trying to trade him, looking at teams that could take his contract. I mean, to Boston makes sense because they have a need there. And yeah, true. They also have the number one pick that they could move. I don't think that's going to happen. No, they're not going to move by that but number one pick. that is certainly a, a possibility. And the Clippers, they got to figure out what they're going to do because there's been a lot of talk that they're trying to get Jerry, Rest, Jerry West excuse me, to come from Golden State. I don't know if it's official, but that's been the room that's been talking lately. And the Clippers, they got to capitalize on that because it's only a matter of time before the sleeping giants, the Los Angeles Lakers, 
come back with Magic Johnson and who knows get Kobe Bryant in there. I don't know who else they're gonna be running that team. And with and with LeBron and, becoming a free agent yes, next, season, next season, I mean that could be a huge free agent pickup for the Los Angeles Lakers to bring them back to prominence to where they could be a powerhouse team again for Los Angeles, regain their throne in Los Angeles, and completely shut down the Clippers once and for all. I think that that could be. Uh, a very high possibility, especially with Lonzo Ball being on the team, most likely being in Los Angeles for the Lakers. So, I mean, that's going to be a powerhouse team. If they can get LeBron James too, Clippers, you need to watch out. You need to do some. You need to make some big moves this season and next season to compete with the the Lakers because it's going to be absolute pandemonium if the Lakers get LeBron James there. Not only that, the Clippers they they've had their chance because they've been in the playoffs. But they haven't gone far in the playoffs past the second round. Hmm, like my Washington Capitals. So, <laughs> so they have to figure out how they're going to build that team to keep it competitive. Because if the Lakers come back and you go back to being irrelevant again, not good. Not good. No. So now it's on to the football recap of the week. JT, the mic is all yours, sir. All right. And as I'm going to talk about the latest from the beautiful game of football... We are going to recap the latest from the World Cup qualifiers. So I'm going to start with the matches on Thursday. We're going to do talk about the U.S. men's national team. They had a game last Thursday against Trinidad and Tobago. And it was a big game. The U.S. got a 2-0 win over Trinidad and Tobago. Christian Pulisic got, there you go. He got two goals in that game to clinched them the victory and then on Sunday they had a game against Mexico so they went down to Azteca in Mexico City to get a 1-1 draw it was a very entertaining game Michael Bradley our captain he scored a goal in the sixth minute from like near half field and it just was a volley six shot volley and Memo Ochoa he just had no chance there was no way he was going to stop the American fans in that arena went nuts and then Carlos Vela for Mexico scores the goal to give them the game tied 1-1. And that's how it ended. And that's how I predicted it. I predicted the U.S. need to get a win and at least a draw Mexico. So now we are currently in third place in the hex. And right now it's looking good. If we keep winning, because Bruce Arena, he's changed things and he's we, he hasn't lost since he's been the coach. Unlike Jurgen Klansman. So he has to keep up going and we got a chance to qualify for Russia next year in for the World Cup. You know they're going to start calling you JT Domus with all of these <laughs> predictions you're making. They're coming true. I mean, hey, the men's men's team's looking really good, though. National team's looking really good. Continue. Definitely, definitely. So just to recap some other games that happened for the World Cup qualifiers, Costa Rica and Panama on Thursday got a nil-nil draw. Mexico beat Honduras 3-0. Sweden upset France 2-1. England and Scotland got a 2-2 draw. Ireland, I'm sorry, Ireland, Iceland, excuse me. They beat Croatia 1-0. Iran beat Uzbekistan 2-0. So Iran is the first country to qualify for the 2018 FIFA World Cup. Qatar, the country that's going to host the next World Cup, they beat South Korea 3-2. Iraq and Japan got a 1-1 draw. And then the other results on Tuesday, Panama and Honduras got a 2-2 draw. In Costa Rica beat Trinidad and Tobago 2-1. to one. So, the only international friendly to talk about is England and France. They played on Tuesday. France beat England 3-2. to two. Uh, Before the game, it was a nice gesture because, you know, the, the recent bombings that happened in London mm-hmm. and Manchester. Yeah. They all stood in solidarity and sung the, sung the national anthem for England, which is God Save the Queen. That's so awesome. That was really awesome. And it turned out to be a really great game uh, for France. They won the game 3-2. to two. So... Let's move on and talk about the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. Guys, we had some cup sets. Cup sets. Hashtag cup sets. That's right. So we're going to start with down the road here at the Orlando City Stadium. As the Orlando City Lions, they had a game last night against the Miami FC. And it was a big match. 5,000 people showed up to watch this game. And Orlando City, I don't know, they fell asleep, they had a bad, they woke up or had something bad to eat, but they just didn't show up very well. And next thing you know, they are down 3 0 to Miami FC. Stefano Pino scored those three goals to get them a hat trick. 
And Jason Christ decided to make some changes. He put Kaká and Rivas into the game. We got a goal late on by Giles Barnes to make it 3-1. to one, But it was not enough. Too little, too late. And for the second year in a row, Orlando City gets knocked out in the early in the U.S. Open Cup. This time to Miami FC. The other two cup sets, Sacramento Republic. They upset Real Salt Lake 4-1. to one. In Sacramento last night. And of course. The Ohio Derby. Between the Columbus Crew. And FC Cincinnati. They played last night. In front of 30,000 fans. That's crazy. FC Cincinnati has been making a lot of noise lately. With their attendance. And their, how they're doing so well in the USL. And they're trying to get an MLS now. Like Nashville. So they're doing really good. And they got a 1-0 victory. Over the Columbus Crew last night so they will move on Miami FC will take on Atlanta United they will be hosting them and FC Cincinnati they will be playing Chicago Fire so Kevin Holmes since you're in Chicago now go to the Bridgestone I'm not sorry the Bridgestone go to Bridgeview excuse me it's close it's close go there to watch the Chicago Fire take on your favorite team FC Cincinnati Make it a date night for you and Courtney. I think huge, great. That was a huge game, FC Cincinnati. That was a um, record for non-final Open Cup match when it came to attendance because they had 30,000 people there. Uh, it's incredible. Kevin actually texted me about it earlier today. And uh, good for them. Good for them. All right. So next we're going to talk about the latest transfer rumors. Uh, the only one that's been confirmed is Victor Lindenoff. He has been sold to Manchester United. He's been let go from Benfica. So, upgrade on defensively for Manchester United. Still no word on Alvaro Morata, uh, Salah. Uh, I know there's been a person, I think it's an inter. They've been trying to get him, Manchester United, but no move on there yet. And Slata Imerich, he's a free agent now. No word about where he's going to go in MLS. So, we will keep you updated on that. Claudio Ranieri, you remember him. He was the man that led Leicester City to the Premier League title. Not this past season, but the season before. Uh, this past season, unfortunately, the team struggled, and he got sacked in the middle of the season. So he's been trying to look for a new job, and apparently he's found it in Ligon in France, as he got a job with Nantes. So Nantes hired him, and it's going to be interesting to see if he can lead Nantes to a Ligon title uh, down the road. Good luck, though, because PSG and AS Monaco, those teams aren't going the way. They're going to be competitive in Ligon for sure. And then the last thing we are going to talk about as far as some games to keep an eye on this weekend, the only thing I recommend that you check out is the 2017 FIFA Confederations Cup. It starts this Saturday. As far as the teams that are in the tournament, you got in Group A, Mexico, New Zealand, Portugal, and Russia because they're hosting it. And then you got in Group B, Australia, Cameroon, Chile and Germany. So as far as games to watch, Russia, New Zealand, they play on Saturday at 11 o'clock. On Sunday, you got two games at 11. You got Portugal against Mexico, Cristiano Ronaldo. And you got Cameroon against Chile at 2 o'clock. Then on Monday, you got Australia against Germany at 11 o'clock. So those are some games to keep an eye on in the tournament to watch this weekend. And that will conclude my football recap of the week so heading on to miscellaneous news floyd money mayweather is coming out of retirement 23 month retirement in fact to fight conor mcgregor uh, in a boxing match which is going to be interesting august 26th um all the analysts are saying now that conor is not going to have a chance in this fight at all vegas is saying the same thing they're giving him steep steep odds to face um floyd money mayweather on august 26th so that's going to be an interesting to fight to watch. JT, would you pay for that pay-per-view? Well, I'm Conor McGregor. I'm going to have to bring my lucky charms. <laughs> bring my lucky charms. Because I'm going to need it for this Mayweather fight. Yeah. But what? Your pot of gold. <laughs> no, you need some help with that. Your pot of gold for sure. But, <laughs> but Dylan, haven't we seen this movie before with Matt, with uh, Pacquiao and Mayweather? And yeah, how- I guess. I mean, it's, it's going to be bigger than that. Gonna this fight's going to be huge. <laughs> this fight's going to be huge. That's the second dollar truck impression I've done today. This fight's going to be huge. It's going to be big. But anyway, on to your question. Am I going to pay for it? No, but I will find a friend who 
likes boxing and like my bet Umberto, because me and him try to keep in touch every once in a while. Okay. So I know he'll probably pay for it, and I'll be like, hey, I'll pitch in some money, bring some food, something, so we can just watch the fight. You know, see how it goes. Of any fight that's out there, I think this is the fight that you you should spend your money on because I mean it's going to be like a fight of the century. It's going to be a fantastic fight. Even if Conor McGregor does just, you know, go down in the first round. I mean, it'll still be interesting to watch. So, I think it's going to be really cool. Um, Rafael Nadal actually won the French Open this weekend. He passed Pete Sampras for second most Grand Slam titles. So, on to cricket news, JT. Just a quick cricket update for the ICC Champions Trophy Tournament. Uh, England, who we all thought were going to win because they were hosting and everything. They got upset by Pakistan. Pakistan beat them in the semifinals, so they will move on to the final, which will be on Sunday, and they will face India. India upset, uh, not upset, but they defeated pretty easily Bangladesh, so you're going to have that rivalry in cricket again, Pakistan against India on the final on Sunday, which is also Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Dad. There you go. So, the last thing for miscellaneous news we're going to talk about, well, this news actually broke this earlier this morning. Because I was like, we were talking about Orlando City and their U.S. Open Cup game last night, and I was watching the game. Yeah, Kyle was there. He was there, but I was like, "Where is Kyle Aaron? Why is he not in the game? Why are we not putting him in the game? Well, where is he? Well, apparently, we now find out what he was doing last night. He was <laughs> apparently out drinking, having a good old time, having a good old time, like having a Tiger Woods time. Yeah, kind of like me at Tin <laughs> Roof last night, but I was not driving. Oh, so, okay. So, okay. Uh, safe driving, folks. So, no, no, no. no Uber, no, Lyft. Yes. Use it. No, no drunk driving. No driving, please. No, definitely so, a driver. So, Kyle Laird apparently was driving somewhere in downtown Orlando off of Orange Avenue around 2.30 this morning, and he got pulled over, and he had to do a breath flyer test. He failed, obviously, and his eye, they said his eyes were bloodshot red, which is not good. So, I'm like, Kyle Laird, come on, man. You're trying to get sold to Europe and get moving. Now, you got this. First, we got Tiger Woods. Now, we got Kyle Laird. Who's next? Sidney Crosby? Sidney Crosby is next. <laughs> I'm calling it right now. Big news. All right, Big Dylan. Win. Let's go on to our winners and losers this week. Who yes. you got? So my winner this week is The Freeze from the Atlanta Braves. There's a new promotion they're doing with Racetrack. It's a, a local gas station chain there in Atlanta. Also, it's here in, in Florida, too. But um, it's Racetrack. They have this new frozen drink that they're trying to promote. So they have this former track star. If I can get his name, I'll try to find it. Um, this former track star is racing a fan. So what happens is the fan gets a head start, um, has about 200-foot uh, head start. And so after the 200 feet is up, the freeze starts running. And if you beat the freeze, you get a $100 gift card to racetrack and if you don't beat the freeze well sorry you just are labeled the guy who didn't beat the freeze of the times that they've done this they've been doing this since uh, i think a few weeks ago i think the first time they did it was a while back anyway um he's only lost once and it was the first day they did it he only lost against a fan and he's won every ever since then so it's a great promotion for the braves it's it's awesome i think it's pretty funny to see um a fan try to race this guy and this guy is fast if you haven't seen the video Go online, type in the freeze Atlanta Braves, and you'll find this video. It's fantastic. My losers this week are the nationally syndicated radio host for sports because they have nothing else to talk about besides um, baseball, golf, things like that. They're trying to find things to talk about because NHL isn't happening anymore because you know they're in the offseason now nba finished early too so they have nothing to talk about right now so they just gotta listen to us to get their get their content for their shows yeah you can thank the penguins and the golden state warriors for that yeah thank them for that so jt on to your winners and losers well my winner obviously this week is kd kevin durant and kevin durant like i said earlier he got a lot of you know, negative criticism, and I can understand why when he decided to leave Oklahoma City and go to the team that beat them that season, the Golden State Warriors. And everyone was thinking that first thing, like, well, you know, when LeBron left, when he went to, to Miami the first time, when he left Cleveland. So everyone wondered how was that going to go, and, and, and Kevin Durant, he was a different player. I think he's grown up. I think he he he's played a lot better. And he did what he had to do, and good for him. He he got an NBA title his first year, and that's very difficult to do when you're going from a new team. 
And Kevin Durant, like you mentioned earlier, he's going to give up some money to keep the team together yeah. so he can win multiple championships. Yeah, that's awesome. And his mom, what he did his mom, everything, that was awesome. I, just, I don't think you saw it, but his mom was talking, giving it back to Stephen A. Smith because he was one of the hardest guys criticizing KD when he left. And KD, or not KD, I'm sorry, Stephen A. Smith had to kind of eat it <laughs> on the, his uh, first take show earlier this week. So that was interesting. But anyway... My losers of this week, well, Dylan, I'm not sure you heard, but I would listen to this on the radio. They were talking about ESPN 580 on Tuesday, but there's a couple minor league baseball teams. You know how minor league t- baseball, they do these crazy promotions. Yeah. Harry Potter yeah. night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Star Rocky Wars night, night. Star yeah, Wars night. Yeah. You know, drink beer, $3 beer, something like that. So we got one team that's in a lot of trouble right now, the Ogden Raptors. They are a minor league baseball affiliate for the um, I think it's the L.A. Dodgers. So they're in a lot of heat because they try to, I don't know, what were they thinking? But they were trying to do some promotion. They basically called it the hourglass uh, thing. where base, An hourglass promotion like the woman. So basically what they were trying to do is they want to get a good-looking woman who have like an hourglass figure and put them in the broadcast booth. And I'm kind of like, really, guys? Really? I mean, show some love to the ladies. Be a gentleman like me. Like, come on, man. Oh, you're gonna okay. you're gonna do stuff like okay. that. Ogden Raptors. Come on, man. And then we got another minor league team just up the road here. The Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Yes, guys, that is their name. <laughs> the, they used to be the Jacksonville Suns. Now they're the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Minor league teams with these crazy names. Crazy. But anyway, they are. Giving out this weekend, or actually tonight to this weekend, they're actually giving out pre- pregnancy tests for the Father's Day, and they're calling it "You Might Be the Father's Day Promotion." Oh my <laughs> like, gosh! Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Like, wh- wh- where's Mari? <laughs> you know, you are not the father. You are the father. Oh no, no. That's an interesting game. So, that's an interesting they, game they, to play. They, they, they're excuses. They're doing this to see how many dads, I guess, would come out on their game on Sunday. They're treading the line there. But yeah, it's treading hot water there. So mm. I don't get it. Our Raptors, I don't get it. But you guys, come on, man. Well, uh, on to final thoughts, JT. I'll toss it over to you. Well, my final thought this week. It's going to kind of be a little bit what we talked about last week when I talked about Tim Lewicki and he's helping out the David Beckham in Miami FC. But apparently, he is now going on the opposite side to the Pacific Northwest. And there was an announcement earlier that the Key Arena, because Tim Lewicki is doing a project with them as well, they're going to redevelop that arena to try to make it attractive and big enough to get an NHL team and an NBA team, possibly, down the road. So he's apparently on two fronts trying to get things going up in Seattle because Seattle's been rumored to get an NHL team for a long time. Now, we don't know what's going to happen with the NHL. They kind of deferred Quebec City's bid last year. But I think, Dylan, what's going to more likely happen is you got the Arizona Coyotes down there in Glendale. They can't get an extension in their arena. They have to have somewhere to play after next season. And if they don't get somewhere in Phoenix or Arizona to play, that team's going to have to move. So I think what most likely could happen is if Arizona decides to move, they could go to Seattle. But they said with the plans that Key Arena may not be ready for renovating until completely done until the 2020 season. 2020, 2020, 2021 season. Wow, that's a lot of 20s. Yeah, a lot of 20s there. So I think Arizona could move to Quebec, which opened up a spot in the West and they could use that when that arena is ready to put that team there. Or we could have Arizona go to Portland. You could have Carolina go, because they're the other team that's for sale right now, that could move it to Seattle. And then you have Arizona, I'm sorry, the expansion slot go to Quebec. So it'll be interesting to see what the NHL does with the realignment. Um, so we'll see. The National Predators, though, I don't think they got nothing to worry about. And speaking of NHL, they are going to release their Adidas jerseys next week yeah very soon i'm excited about those they look really good so far i've seen some pictures of the predators ones um just like little squares they show like a little piece of the jersey looks like it's gonna look really good so i have to get a new jersey already 
Me too. Like, I've seen the Capitals one too, so it looks really good. Yeah, yeah. I have to get a new one already. Go anyway, Caps. so my final thoughts go to the National Predators, actually, speaking of the NHL. Not so, the Pittsburgh Penguins? Not the Pittsburgh, no, 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 no. I have some very, <laughs> I have some final thoughts for them too. Oh, oh, okay. um, <laughs> off the air. So <laughs> the National Predators, uh, you, had, you guys had a great season. Thanks so much for putting on such a great show this season. Uh, you guys played your hearts out, and it was great to see in the playoffs, and it was great to see a 16th seed, again, a 16th seed, go to the Stanley Cup final and do what they did against the Pittsburgh Penguins to get to game six. I mean, bravo. I uh, can't wait to see what happens next season, and the fans are very eager to see what happens with this expansion draft, with our the regular draft, and also what happens next season. So congratulations once again, you guys did Nashville proud. It was great. So thanks for listening to the show, guys. You can follow us on Twitter, on OOB Podcast, or Facebook, Out of Bounds Podcast, Dylan James Facebook page. You can also email me at dylanoutofboundspodcast.com with any suggestions, feedback, anything um any ideas about sketches we could do on the show segments and stuff so um hit us up on there and jt what are your social media handles you can reach out to me at twitter at jt saka 88 that's jts osaka 88 you can email me at jt at out of bounds podcast.com and you can also reach out to me on my personal sports blog it's called jt the sports guy Dot com. And also, guys, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes, on SoundCloud, whatever you got to do. Um, give us suggestions. Give us reviews. Give us feedback. We always love to hear feedback from our listeners out there and to make this show better each and every week for you. And thanks so much for listening to the show. Thanks again to Justin Bradford for joining us today from Penalty Box Radio. And we will see you guys next week. Enjoy the sports. Enjoy the sports.